Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. We are on episode 44, and I am here with Ali Matu, and uh, we have a special guest today. Uh, Diana Chain is here with us, and we are discussing Big Hero 6. Hello, Ali. Hello, Diana. Hey. Hey, Diana. Hey, Conrad. I am so pumped. We're talking Big Hero 6. We've got an epic crossover battle today. Conrad, who's in the infinite crossover chamber? In the infinite crossover chamber, we are pitting Disney against Pixar. And we are going to be debating uh, which company or which creative team, I suppose, is um, our better storytellers. Speaking of stories, we've got a lot of awesome stories in our top five today. Top five animated films. It's going to be a blast, but let's get started off by welcoming Diana Chang. Diana, the host of the YouTube channel Without a License, um, which is a awesome travel uh, vlog show. You had a great New York Comic Con episode. I'm not <laughs> just you. saying that because I was a guest in that one, but um, we wanted you on the show because not only are you a big fan of animation, but you're a big fan of Disney and Pixar, and you're a former Disney cast member. Yes, although when you say cast member, people always think that I'm like one of the princesses, but I was not. <laughs> I actually was just in their merchantainment um, sector, which just means gift shop. So if you were ever at Epcot in the spring of 2008 and you went to Mission Space or Test Track, I could have sold you something from there. So look through your photos. If you see an Asian girl in the background, that could have been me. <laughs> but, is it, but isn't everybody a cast member at Disney? Yeah, that's kind of the deal, a right? Cast member. But then when, like, when you like graduate or like when you move on from the college program and stuff, and you tell other people, yeah, I was a cast member. They're like, oh, my God, did you dance in the parade? And you're like, oh, no, not, not that kind of cast member. That's a whole other tier. <laughs> and you earned like college credit for that. Yeah, I went to Disney University. That is really cool. Oh, you... man. Is that like Monsters University? That's totally no. awesome. <laughs> but Disney University is right behind Magic Kingdom. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Love that. So we've wanted you on the show for a long time, Diana. So we're, <laughs> we're, uh, we're so excited to, to be on this. So um, jumping into Big Hero 6. So um, for the listeners, we're going to be doing a short, non-spoilery segment. Um, is that the word I made up, Conrad? Spoilery? We all made word? it up. It's okay. We all made it up. Okay, it's all our words. So we'll do non-spoilers, and then we'll get into spoilers. But before we start talking about the film, what did you guys know about this property before um, seeing this film? I didn't know much about it besides the trailer that was like, you know, basically an extended clip of that one scene, which everyone saw of him in the police station. But the, besides that, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Until, like, I waited until after the movie before I started researching all the articles and realized, oh, this is a collaboration between Disney and Marvel. Mm-hmm. Right. I was, I knew vaguely what it was, but I didn't know all that much about it in terms of detail. So I, I had heard about it and I had sort of be and I kind of forgot that I knew about it until I saw the trailer and I'm like oh this is that collaboration you know yeah. so but in terms of you know anything outside of what the film is or seeing anything I didn't really know all that much other than what Diana just said I'm right there with you guys and um it, it, it was only after I saw the trailer that I started doing a little bit more research on this and Diana you sent us a great uh, wired article about this which we'll probably get into in the crossover yeah. but it's it's real the story of this is really fascinating 
after Disney bought Marvel in the late 2000s, they, um, Bob Iger immediately wanted his team to start looking at what properties could we turn into an animated film. And um, I think the head of Disney Animation uh, just liked the name Big Hero 6 <laughs> and wanted to pick that. And they thought it would be cool to adapt this because it's something that no one really knows much about. It was a comic from the late 90s, and it's very different than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they intentionally aren't – they want it to be separate from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yet it still kind of feels Marvel-y, but it's fresh. It's – I – I knew nothing about this at all except that, and I was honestly, you guys, I was pretty excited to see what a Disney Marvel animated film would look like. I was really excited because the hero, which is the name of the main character, um, <laughs> was Asian, and I was like, "Oh my god, finally!" Besides, well, Mulan, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> and his ethnicity had nothing to do with the storyline whatsoever. Yeah. But that was really cool, like. They had any choice they could, and they just made him Asian. Yeah. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I, I like the um, overall the look of the characters and the world just from the trailer alone. Mm-hmm. And B- Baymax, like, oh my gosh, so just good. from the trailer, I was pretty excited mm-hmm. about this film. I was, I was really excited to see... Um, what was clearly, you know, references uh, uh, to anime, and I was excited to see an Asian main character. Um, just generally, the feel of it when you saw, like, some, especially the extended, um, the extended trailer, I was like, "This is really fascinating what they're doing here." Um, in terms of the references that they were making, so I was very excited to see this in a mainstream animated film. If you look at the concept art, too, because I was looking at it earlier today, it's amazing the sketches that they did because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it takes place in a fictitious world of San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the so their concept art is just like all this mishmash of, of all these architecture from Asian and like Western culture, culture and stuff like that. So it was really cool seeing all the sketches and like the rough like stuff that they put in and stuff yeah. and how it became from that to what it is now. What's cool about the concept art is they had uh, Mochi, the cat. In the original concept art, they had a, a scene where Mochi has little rockets on, <laughs> which is so cute. And apparently they loved it so much they kept it in the trailers for like Japan or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But not for us. Damn. Yeah, not for us. Um, apparently America doesn't like rocket cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I mean, there and there are a ton of Easter eggs also throughout this that have nothing to do with with you know. There was just all sorts of things. I'm sure you both caught some of it and maybe saw some of it later as I did. Um, but it, it, I was really impressed by the detail. Um, well, so the trailer made me excited. The trailer made me absolutely excited to see it. So this is this is kind of the thing I've been waiting for, you guys. I've I've talked to a lot of people about this since I've seen it. But I've been most excited to ask you guys, um, getting into our non-spoiler review, sounds like we were all excited going mm-hmm. into the film. What did you guys think? Diana, our guest of honor, what <laughs> did you think about this film? Without a spoiler? Without a spoiler. Oh, it's amazing. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say without spoiling <laughs> it. I mean, I, I think that this is, uh, not that you asked me yet, but I'm going to jump in there. <laughs> Um, Conrad, I get to talk to you all the time. I know, I know. Um, I I thought I realized that because we did our review of Interstellar, and I had seen that Big Hero Six beat Interstellar at the box office, and when I saw this, I was not surprised 
that it had. Um, because I think that this is a really great film that everybody can enjoy, um, whether you're a kid or not, but it's also very kid-friendly. Um, and it's really, but it's it's speaking to a lot of different things. So I think that adults could really enjoy this too. And I thoroughly enjoyed it and recommended it to a bunch of people. Well, I think we got a three-way mind melt here. This is, I had so much fun watching this. It is in the running for one of my favorite films of the year. Honestly, you guys, that might be a bold statement here, but it is very close to uh, the amount of fun I had watching Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm not saying that's my top film of the year, but that's pretty high up there. Um, I had a ton of fun watching this. And Conrad, I completely agree with you. There's a lot for kids to love with this film, and there's a lot for adults to love. And uh, I mean, more than that, we'll talk in spoilers, but I enthusiastically endorse this film. Right. And I would also go as far as to say that even if you're not necessarily a fan of animation, who are those people? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you know what I'm saying? Like some people don't really enjoy uh, seeing animated films. I think you could still enjoy this. Um, And I'm going to use Bill as the as the example here, like he doesn't, he likes animated films, but he doesn't like love them like I do. And he had a really good time at this too. Yeah. Nguyen had a really good time watching this. I I mean, she does like animated films. We were kind of debating, Hey, should we go see big hero six tonight or watch, uh, how to train your dragon Two? So that, that gives you an idea (laughs) of like where we're coming from. Um, but uh, we had a great time. And you know what? There were a lot of kids in our in our theater. And we had a great time watching it with the kids and watching it with the families. It was so great to see what stuff was resonating with the kids, what stuff resonated with the parents. Um, there's one scene in particular where I think parents saw it or adults see it differently than kids do. But everyone enjoys it. Um, so there is very little I don't like about this film. Um, I, I think it's just... Especially after reviewing Interstellar, and without getting into spoilers for that, I think, Conrad, it's pretty clear you and I had very mixed feelings about it, to say the least. Yeah, Um, and it's interesting, because with Interstellar, I had more and more mixed feelings the further away I got from it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Which I think you and and friend of the show, Lowen, discussed a little bit, Uh, or texted back and forth. We had a super nerdy moment the other day where I texted him and I said, so what did you think of Interstellar? And he's like, oh, well, I thought this, this and this, um, but I'm listening to your podcast right now. And I'm like, well, this is kind of meta. We're like chatting about Interstellar as you're listening to (laughs) a chat about Interstellar. But I had very mixed feelings about that one. But I didn't Um, about this. Like, and so I walked out of this one being really happy. (laughs) I actually, okay, then I'll just have to interject a little bit. I'm like 90% happy with it. And I have some constructive criticism. I'll say constructive criticism. I uh, I have constructive criticism, but compared to my level of criticism of Interstellar, oh yeah, this is like nothing. I definitely have <laughs> I definitely have some some things that I wish they had done with this. So I've got like no criticism oh, at all. I'm a I total knew, fanboy. I knew I'm you a, would be a fanboy. They of this had one. you at the Rockets. Oh, oh my god! Soon I was like. You guys, I was so enjoying this film. So, um, <laughs> should we should we um, fire up the spoilers? Yes, let, this is a big fat spoiler alert. It is going to be spoilers from this point forward. So, if you have not, you've been warned. Spoiler if you, alert! If you have not seen Big Hero Six, 
you should definitely press pause, go and watch it, and come back. Um, and yeah, that's all I'm going to say. So it's, you've been Welcome warned. Back. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now that you've seen Big Hero 6, um, Diana, so getting into our spoilery review, what did you think? Okay. I, coming from like just watching it as an animated movie and completely seeing it from a children's eye, yes, this is a completely great story. I love it. It's a lot of fun. But my only thing was just, it was too easy. Mm. The the villain, the whole, the Callahan being the person behind the mask, like, it was really easy for adults to watch it to be like, be like, oh yeah, I can totally see where this is going. Yeah, as as I got to the end of it, and actually during it, I kept feeling like it was it was a little or even a lot formulaic. So, and there wasn't, if you're an adult watching it, there definitely weren't a lot of surprises or things that you couldn't figure out. Is that what you were thinking, Diana? Yeah, for sure, because um, usually in the movies, I'm the one who turns to my boyfriend and be like, oh, I know who it is, and sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong, really wrong, but... It got to the point, like, when we were watching Big Hero 6, my boyfriend was the one that turned to me and was just like, I think it's Callahan. And I'm like, if you can point it out, when it's usually me that I can point it, like, you can point it out so fast, it's so easy. So, yes, you guys, <laughs> you guys are right. Um, that didn't bother me, though. Because um, I, what, what swept me up into the story in the film was... Um, it it wasn't the vis- villain and it wasn't sort of figuring out what's going on, but the universe and the characters and the things that they were making cool like this. So like, let's take this villain, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Callahan is a bad guy. Ooh, um, who's behind the mask and all that kind of stuff. By the way, the Kabuki mask is the scariest looking villain I've seen this year. Oh, for yeah. me, at least. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't wait for, uh, for at Comic-Cons and Halloween to oh see God, a bunch yes. of people cosplaying as, oh, as Callahan. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and that combined with the microbots was pretty <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Well, here's so here's why I love that. Um, finally, we have a story where it's not like technology is evil and technology takes us over. But it's a story that technology is a tool. And it's all in how you use it. Technology isn't inherently good or bad. But we see we see the main character. We see Hiro, or as that one character says, Hiro. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that bugged me because everything else she said without an accent. But that just one, his name itself, she has an accent for it. Like, it's so inexplicable. It, it no, is annoying, that. though. It is annoying. I, it's, I, like, it's like when you watch Giada De Laurentiis on the Food Network and she just like, like start putting in her Italian accents, like mozzarella. You're like, just call him mozzarella. You're from LA. Come on. Now. But that's why I liked it because we all know people like that <laughs> who try to really pronounce stuff like the right way. Like um, it's it's just funny. Um, and I thought I could see a lot of people in that character, so it didn't bug me too much. Wait, wait, but- like Constantine. Uh-oh, uh oh, Conrad, Constantine, Constantine, uh, Constantine, Constantine. Anyway. Um, I, That's I, a lovely song, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get ready. There's going to be a lot more singing in this episode. Um, I like that we see Hero using these microbots, and he's using them for all these productive purposes. Yeah. And then we see someone else use them for um, very nefarious purposes. And that makes me think of, like, um, nuclear weaponry and versus nuclear power. And it makes me think of all sorts of technology that can be used for many different many different tools, but it's all in how people use it. So I saw that as the larger story here with the villain, so it didn't really bug me. Yeah, that's why like it bugs me to the 
it bugs me a little bit, but not too much that I don't like the movie and right. turned me off because they didn't focus because they didn't focus on like the villain and how evil that person would be. They were able to focus it on like the main characters and the the thinking behind everything and their reasoning for doing stuff. Right, and I I mean that. I was able to get past that because I felt like the characters were strong and the way they progressed the story and some of the emotional components and the way they built up these characters was strong enough to overcome that sort of shortfall to me. Well, and there was a lot of emotional investment in these characters. We really learned a lot about them early on. Uh, we especially learn a lot about Hero and his brother um, and sort of their storyline. Um, so I think, um, what was the brother's name? Tadashi. Tadashi, yeah. Yeah, so Diana, I think you had some strong feelings about, about that. I have strong feelings about that, <laughs> not just because the fact that I got spoiled about the fact that Tadashi died because Google search automatically filled it in when I wrote Daniel Henney. And it just automatically filled in. Tadashi died right after that. Uh-huh. I was just looking for him on the IMDb. By the way, I'm a huge Daniel Henny fan. He is a fine, tall glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I think I was really sad when he died. Even though I already knew he was dying. He's got a beautiful voice. I'll He's, tell you that. He does. That was a, he was a, I really enjoyed seeing their relationship unfold and mm-hmm. seeing that brotherly relationship. And mm-hmm. um, I can't believe Google suggests uh, spoiled that for you. That's horrible. But um, that moment uh, when he does go in to save the uh, professor um, and uh, when you find out that he's died, uh, that was an emotional moment for me. I really felt Yeah, something. I did too. And I kept being like, it can't be true. It can't be true. Like, I was really hoping that there would be something that somehow he had survived. You know what I mean? Like, I just kept wishing that it hadn't happened. Um, That's why I'm kind of mad about how easy it was for the villain, because it was just because her, his, spoiler alert, his daughter died, so he's doing that, and he was in there. So I'm like, that's uh, what Takashi died. And then she, she, she ended up being alive. Well, that's so the other like, thing, is that I just... Okay, so this is the other thing that bothered me about the, the plot and the whole villain storyline, is that I think if he had really felt that strongly about his daughter... He just would never have allowed Tadashi to die. I just don't buy that piece, but I guess if he's that... You guys, I don't think he knew that Tadashi, uh, Tadashi died. I don't. I know, but uh, he did know. seem apologetic about it as soon as, like, you know, Hiro pointed out, like, Tadashi went after you. He was like, well, that's his mistake. Then it's just like, really, dude, your daughter, like... So I'll give you guys this. I just I, don't see it. Just that was the piece. If he if, if he had been remorseful, but they didn't show that at all. They just show him being a di- like like terrible. So and the thing is, if he was that, and since he's like a brilliant man and he was a good man, what that whatever that is, and his daughter died, wouldn't he be more focused on trying to get his daughter back? Well, I don't think he knows it. I think well, he just thinks she's lost. So. I think some of the things that you guys are picking up on, there were some scenes missing with him, uh, okay. with Callahan's character. I'll, I'll give you guys that. Uh, but it's James Cromwell. And yeah. I, I forgive him because he's James <laughs> Cromwell. And he had first contact with the Vulcans and ushered in the age of Star Trek. But so I, I guess I think it also shows because Hero almost went to that point, too, because he almost killed well, and so they're showing him how he's affected and affected how, by his yeah. brother and by Baymax, who is but, by extension his brother. Like, there's a lot of really interesting things they do emotionally. In exactly, this film. and without Baymax there to stop, if Bay, since Baymax, uh, Hero had Baymax to stop him, 
But Callahan didn't have anyone to stop True. him. True. Well, so. and, and that's where there's a nice parallel there. And I think um, uh, Disney actually is telling a deeper story here where we see Hero dealing with loss and grief from that. And we mm-hmm. see Gallagher dealing with loss and grief. And the direction that the both, both of them take in Hero for a moment does go down to Callahan, Callahan's um, uh, route. And he is going down the route of revenge. And he takes out uh, Baymax's uh, conscience, basically. Conscience, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, exactly. Tadashi's programming there. Um, Tadashi's programming. And um, I think that's where Disney's telling a deeper story here. Um, where that character goes, he definitely goes to an arc. And um, I, I do wish we had a few more scenes with Callahan to have that character fleshed out. But I'm kind of okay with that because what we get instead is um, we see a lot about Hero. And we see an origin story here that's not boring, that's mm-hmm. not played out. We get to see them becoming these these heroes, but in a in a way that I was actually excited. And playing to some of the, my favorite parts of the movie um, or going to some of my favorite parts of the movie, we get a beautiful flying sequence, which is, which is kind of a flying sequence of Iron Man meets how mm-hmm. to train your dragon. Mm-hmm. And we see so much of the city. There's such great world building. So Diana, you were talking about the diversity of these characters and we have, we have multiple Asian characters. We have a, um, an African American character and we have a lot of nerds. Um, but they're making being a nerd cool. And it's it's making science cool without saying science is cool, um, which is a great theme in this movie. And uh, the, the world building here, um, we get so much of all of that stuff. And I loved all of that stuff so much. I was never bored by it. I like that stuff. And I agree with you. I, I loved how they portrayed this group of characters and they didn't. I mean, they were all very smart and they were all, you know, it was also showing what you could do with your brain. So uh, Tadashi showing Hiro that he can do more than just robot bot fighting, Mm -hmm. Um, that he's kind of wasting his time doing that. And he just brings him in and shows him all the amazing stuff or or shows him sort of by association just by bringing him into the lab. I really loved um, those moments of discovery with Hiro and then how Hiro is something like, I have to get into this school. (laughs) Um, so I thought that that was really nice. Um, and I do think there are diverse characters and Diana and, and Ali, like, as I was watching it, I was like, I'm really happy that there's an Asian main character, but I kind of wish that he looked a little more Asian. Um, and I don't know. I think he was, you know, honestly, I think he might have, the intention might've been to be a half white, half Asian character or a mixed race character. Yeah. Cause his aunt is on cast. So. Yeah. Maybe, but he still looks, I don't know. I like, I was hoping that when I first saw it, I was like, okay, that's cool that they're doing this, but you also don't want the, him just to look sort of like like a darker skinned white character somehow. And, (laughs) um, and I felt a little bit of that, but I mean, he's also looking a lot like an anime character, which do have, do look a lot like this, but that's true. Um, I just felt like they could have gone a little bit farther since they were making these choices. Yeah. And also keep in mind that girls are skinny and, you know, so they could have pushed a little bit further. I feel like for diversity's sake, but I'm still glad that it kind of shows that smart people come in all shapes and sizes. You have a savvy and you have, yeah, and you know the, the one of the female characters, the one who keeps saying Hiro or saying it. I can't uh-huh. even say it like her. Um which one is she? Honey Lemon. Yes, Honey Lemon. Um you know, she was abnormally skinny, like exaggeratedly so, but then the other female character, 
Uh, go, go. Go, go. Thanks, guys. Um, clearly, I need to, to write more notes about this. Um, I, rem- I remember Fred. <laughs> um, but but Gogo looks a little bit more normal to me than a lot of the characters that you see. Gogo go looked a little athletic to me. And yeah. um, she actually said uh, she's voiced by Jamie Chung, who... Um, who is I am also a fan of. She's a great person. Uh, but what's good about uh, what m- one of my favorite lines in the sh- in the film was "woman what? up," um, and I saw I heard that line and I kind of like sat back and I smiled and I'm like, what a great turn on a hor- a line I hate, which is that whole line of "man up." Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how you both felt about that, but I thought this is where Disney's playing a deeper game with this movie, and they're not just trying to make a fun movie that's going to sell a lot of product, but they're trying to play on these stereotypes a little bit. And also the fact that she's an Asian girl who can drive really, really well. I know, <laughs> and she power. and I love how she just takes over from Wasabi. I know. And it's just kind of like, and, and I love how Wasabi is kind of like this, you know, mild mannered and, you know, kind of gentle soul and just isn't, he isn't, he's just terrified, you know. And, he's this big guy. It's for you expect him to be rushing first, but he's right. like staying back and like, what is the plan? What is the plan? Right, yeah. right. He's, yeah. I'm, he's afraid of, guys. I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of heights. Yeah. So I love, I love the diversity of characters on every level in this. And so that made me very happy. And, you know, in terms of of like a gang of of sort of characters, like especially like teenage slash kid characters that you can get behind, these guys are a lot of fun. Speaking of getting behind a character, what about Fred? Yeah. So what oh what God. did you guys think of Fred? I think Fred is Bruce Wayne if his parents did not get killed. Like this is what <laughs> Bruce Wayne would be like if he had parents. That is. I don't know. I kept thinking like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. That's all I could think when I, whenever his character came on screen, I'm just like Raggy, help! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the best part of him is though, like, is because he's not he's not one of the smart kids. He doesn't. He's not enrolled in the school. He's not a genius. But he has his own skill set. Even yeah. at the end, with him yep. being a mascot, so it's kind of like everyone's good at something. Yeah, you know, I I couldn't I went back and forth between if I liked him or if I didn't like him. And I ultimately ended up coming on on down on the side of I did like this character because you're absolutely right, Diana. Right. He has something to contribute. It's not just all about um the the kids who are enrolled in the university. It's everyone's got something. They're, they're all a team. And there's, um, you know, we, Conrad, you and I talked about this in the X-Men um, uh, Days of Future Past episode that we did. There's um, there's a message here that um, if you're able to to work together and you have different talents and different skills, you can achieve more than you can individually. And there's a great scene where you see that, where they try to take on Gallagher. They try to take on this villain. Callahan. Callahan. Gallagher. Where the heck did that come from? Thank you, Diana. You're a big Peter Gallagher fan. What Apparently. can we say? Apparently. <laughs> Um, but there's a scene where they're trying to take him on and they're all using their powers individually and they're messing each other up mm-hmm. and they have to work together and they have to figure out how to do that. And Fred definitely has a role to play there. Well, see, and I also, I don't agree that he, he is enrolled at the university. So it may, oh, yeah, you're right. it, it may not be that he's not, and he has to be smart to be enrolled there as we have seen. He may just be more of a real genius Val Kilmer type character. <laughs> um, well, speaking of characters, we need to talk about Baymax. 
Okay, yes. Well, I was leaving the best for last. <laughs> Wait, I just want to jump in really fast, though, because you were talking about teamwork and how the moment where they yeah. were all... The best teamwork moment for me, though, was when Hiro screwed up and he took away the Tadashi chip from Baymax. Mm. And they stopped him and stuff. And instead of getting mad at Hiro and yelling him, like, why would you do that? They just hugged him. And they were just like, we're so sorry. We totally understand. Like... It's okay. And they just totally forgave him. There was no like moment, like the cliche moment where they fight and they break apart and they realize they're stronger together and they say they're sorry and they come back. Instead, they just immediately came back because they're just like, hey, this kid is hurting. Let's, we're still friends. Like we need to like be there for him. So that was a stronger moment for me. I, I got to agree with you. I didn't really pick up on that as it was happening. But now in retrospect, I think your, I, I think your point, Diana, is. Um, making me think that they handled some of those team dynamics better in a way than some of the other films um, that we, we've seen. Some of the other Marvel films some th- makes me think of Avengers a little bit. But the thing is, Avengers, they were pulled together for a cause. These people were friends already. Yeah. Yeah, but, they- he, but you know, even even to the point where Hero is, is gained into the university, he doesn't know them quite as well as his brother does, although he's gotten to know them better. And it's a huge when his brother dies, they're all still reaching out to him and not giving up. And mm-hmm. the minute uh, one of those things that I immediately noticed was the fact that the minute Baymax contacted all of them, they mm-hmm. all show up immediately. Like, you yeah. know, they're, yeah. they're like, he needs us. We're going to be there. We're going to be a su- support system. And so a lot of, a lot of the message in the movie, I really thought was really beautiful. Um, yeah. Just in terms of not Baymax is kind of the voice of this, but talking about what people need to, you know, if people are grieving, they need to have all of their friends and family around and they need to do, you know what I mean? Like there were some really just nice moments throughout the film and that, that keep basically supporting this argument uh, just about how important connectivity and friends are, um, which you don't always see. And you actually see the connections between them, as you pointed out, Diana, in that in that really nice moment. And um, I think that's why I like this film so much, Conrad. I am a sucker oh. for for films that are really tapping into the, some of these deeper psychological ideas, and especially when they're doing that, and it's it's an animated film marketed towards kids. Um, I love the fact that um, here's a story about um, where you know Baymax is playing a central role. And um, it's a story where um, one of the characters, Hero, is in grief. Mm-hmm. He has suffered an, an immense loss. And we see him going through um, some depression. He's isolating himself. And Baymax sort of downloads a database on how to help people who are grieving. And he basically becomes a therapist. And, I mean, you might say, you might not want to go that far and say, he's well, he's being more of a friend. But he is doing things that we know work in therapy. He was doing something we call behavioral activation and helping Hero to get social support and reach out to his friends. Um, I love those moments so much because that's where it's telling a story that that does transcend this just being an animated film and it becomes something deeper. Right. And in, I mean, in addition to all the, the normal things that he's doing, he's also responding to some of Hero's requests, even though that doesn't really necessarily meld with his programming. 
<laughs> and so it's sort of like, oh, if I go and fly around with you, will that help you feel better? And and Hero's like, yes, yes, of course it will, and it does. But and it's and it reminded me, <laughs> but it reminded you know when when you're trying to help your friends or when your friends are going through a hard time, you might you know some of the things they may not want to necessarily talk about everything, but maybe they want to go and do something um, yeah. like be it play paintball or whatever. And maybe it's something that it, it isn't directly related to what the issue is, but it does help them to feel better. Yeah. Um, and more like just positive type of activities and just being there for somebody um, and being their companion and adventures maybe. Um, but I loved that part of it too. And actually, as I was watching the film, uh, Bill leaned over and was like, Ali is going to love this film. <laughs> uh, and I, and I was already agreeing with him. So I knew am I that much. Am I that transparent? Yes. 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 Oh, good. Well, I mean, uh, it's got sci-fi, it's got robots, it's got therapy. I mean, it's got you written all over it. Of course you love it. You know what? You know, the only thing it didn't have was Boba. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it was San Francisco. Tokyo? It's got to have Boba. Boba. I was actually, I was really hoping there would be a scene like where he walked into his aunt's restaurant and ordered some. I was so (laughs) hoping for it. I'm like, because then that would make uh, this Ali's favorite film of all time. Well, here's a little, yes, well, if you speak Chinese or you read the opening credits, that little sign, it's a dumpling shop. Oh, uh, yeah. that's so cute. I love dumplings. This is, uh, you guys are right. This is like one of my favorite movies. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, Conrad, after our review, I was struggling to think about like what to write about this for my website, um, what to write about Interstellar. And I kept sort of coming up with like not much to say, but I walked out of this movie with so much to say. So many ideas that I want to share, you know, about Baymax. I love how they deal with the uncanny valley issues in this robot. Mm -hmm. They create a robot that is so cute and cuddly. And the producers here really did their research. They went to um, they went to Caltech visited the robotics laboratory someone was working on this inflatable type of robot and so they kind of modeled Baymax after that um I love I do love the therapy stuff so I was listening to the black nerd comedy uh review of uh of this movie uh, another awesome YouTube channel and he said um in his review that you know this film has one of it, it's got the first fart joke that I actually found really funny and i wanted to ask you guys if you like that's that moment with baymax but if you remember baymax is trying to get through a window and he's too inflated to get through it so he's like excuse me while i release some air and he goes for some reason that never connected to me that that was a fart for me i was just oh he's deflating okay moving on i never thought of it as a fart joke but that's because you're an adult which I am clearly not. Uh, <laughs> well, and actually, I also thought that when he was in the police station, as he's like inflating his arms and finding his leaks, that would also be that was so adorable. It was adorable, but uh, the kids in the theater I was in were laughing hysterically. Were hysterically. Well, and that ties into the next moment when he's out of power and he basically is drunk. Yes. I actually didn't like that as much, but, you know. But that scene made me scared for the entire for the rest of the movie that he was going to run out of power. So uh, when he was like flying with um, Hero and they land on top of that like 
ventilation fan thing that hovers over the sky. I thought he was going to lose power and they're going to be trapped there forever because I'm like, what the hell are you going to do? He loses power so easily. Hmm. Oh, that's true. So so maybe that was the whole point. I didn't worry about it too much because I remember um, Hiro saying early on to Tadashi that... Um, they should switch the batteries. You should switch mm-hmm. the batteries, yeah. Um, and, but it, it was... Baymax is uh, so. You guys, I had a really sad moment last week when um, I have uh, I have a bunch of toys in my office, mm-hmm. and I have a corner. I'm an anxiety disorder therapist, and I also like toys. So I like to get toys that are symbolic of characters who face their anxiety. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite characters um, is Rex from Toy Story, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he deals with a lot of worries, but he always finds a way to face the situation he fears. Well, my toy Rex broke. Um, very sadly, in a, in a very intense uh, episode of playing that one of my patients had with, with, with the Rex toy. I think I'm going to replace Rex with a Baymax toy because mm-hmm. I think he so helps um, why can't you? Why can't you have both? Uh, um, why can't you just get a full-on big Baymax? Because I saw a lot <laughs> of them, and in fact, I made Bill take a picture of me with one of them outside of the theater. I didn't see any real life Baymax. Oh my I had gosh! One, I had one at my theater too. What? And his one of his arms was deflated. Oh, mine was not deflated, but we had to kind of not fight. But there were people that just kept taking photos, and I was like, "Come on, we just want like one." You guys, have, I feel ripped off. I didn't have any real life Baymaxes in my theater. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So, so I I think you you're gonna have to just go and watch it again and find a theater with a with a Baymax because they are pretty cute and cuddly. Trust me, I will be happy to do that. Um, they're gonna sell so many of these. Oh my god, can't wait to see the cosplay. Oh my god, I know, right? <laughs> um, so I I think you guys we liked it a lot. You know, one other thing I, I made a note here to talk about. Um, I know Diana, you're a big fan of um, Incredibles. Yes. Um, it was a little reminiscent of Incredibles for me. However, it one of the criticisms that's come come up about the Incredibles is Incredibles is sort of uh, you know in Harry Potter we got this whole thing about Muggles and there's pure bloods mm-hmm. and all of that. And some people were saying, well, is the message of the Incredibles like you have to have superpowers? Like it's bad to kind of create your own superpowers? And that's been a little bit of a criticism. I thought uh, Big Hero Six sort of dealt with that nicely, where they were talking about superpowers aren't necessarily which are naturally given, but there are abilities that you can develop. Um, you can see things differently. That's one of the big things that Hero says, because all these characters, there's a moment where they're using their powers, but they're stuck. They don't know what to do. And it's not necessarily about having your powers, but that ingenuity and the creativity, that is the thing that I think made the team um, able to kind of face this. So I, I liked that. For me, though, I never thought about that for Incredibles. I always just thought Incredibles was about acceptance. Like, there are people out there who have special powers. And it's kind of like the whole X-Men thing. Like, they have special powers. They're a danger to society. Put them away. Try to attribute them and have them, like, not use their powers and try to be normal people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but- and I didn't, you know, I heard that criticism about Incredibles, and I, I, I kind of think I can see how it was read that way, but I also see how a lot of it was also how you're treating other people as well. So the reason that the enemy w- was created was because of how Mr. Incredible was, was treating this kid um, and not treating him with any respect and, and just dismissing him. Um, and, you know, if he had instead been a little bit more nurturing, 
um, and more, you know, more like a superhero, like a real superhero, um, that never would have happened. Mm. So I, you know, I, I I agree with Diana. I thought it was a little bit more about acceptance. But. Well, and um, that also thinking about Incredibles also makes me think about the one thing I, I think this film was lacking. Um, I love the score to Incredibles. I think it's got a really great score. Um, since this was a Disney film, I, I think it could have used a good song. Uh, I think they kind of emphasize more about the cast and the acting rather than the score for this round. I think they, I read that they hired like an acting coach that that coached all these other celebrities and stars to help act out the characters and help coach the drama out of the actual CG characters to get more emphasis on how they move and how yeah. they're going to act and how they like, you know, react to things. You could tell. Yeah. yeah. And I felt that as well. I didn't miss the score, although it did occur to me that there wasn't that grand score there, but I, I thought it was because the focus, they wanted the focus to be somewhere else. So, which will bring me like later on, I'll talk about it, but this is my biggest complaint about frozen. I feel like it is so score driven, but if you take away the score it's and take horrible. away the awesome animation, the story just falls flat on its face. Well, right. and even even with that, I just well, Ali knows that Frozen is probably <laughs> one of my most hated films of all time. <laughs> Thank you. I thought I was alone. No, you guys, we're probably going to get a lot of um, uh, assertive tweets and emails about this but i also really disliked frozen number one i fell asleep during it i was really <laughs> bored um but i i think this the story is uh it's not the grand innovative uh feminist film that a lot of people say um but speaking of frozen um i i like this film um i really love wreck it ralph mm-hmm. i thinking of about the Wreck-It-Ralph. recent you know since since disney bought pixar and John Lasseter has become the head of um, all animation. We've had Tangled. We had Wreck-It Ralph. Um, uh, oh, what was the um, uh, the Princess and the Frog was one of theirs, too, after Lasseter came on board. We've had uh, Frozen and now this. I really like Wreck-It Ralph, um, but I like this one more. This is my favorite of the new era of Disney animation. Hmm. Well, that's that's. Uh, I think that that actually leads us into our crossover chamber. If you are ready, welcome to the infinite crossover chamber. Oh my god, I need to strap in for this. I'm not ready. For I this. can show you the world, cause you got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. And my name is Prince Ali. Fabulous, the Ali um, nice. That was, time. <laughs> that was a medley. That was a little bit of a, yeah, it was. The thing is, my plan was to go back to a whole new world, but I panicked and I blanked on the next lyric. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll think of it during the crossover and then come back to it at the end. So, um, Conrad, if people couldn't tell by uh, my horrible singing, what are we doing today in the crossover? In the crossover chamber today, we are pitting Disney against Pixar. And the question is, which creative um, entity is better at telling stories with their, so, fil- with their animated films? So let's, let's get a couple of things out of the way first. Um, <clears throat> John Lasseter is going to come up in this. The fact that Disney now owns Pixar is going to come up with this, come up in here. But, you know, we're thinking about um, so... Uh, Pixar was a group of animators that came from Lucasfilm that Steve Jobs basically 
uh, bought, mm-hmm. <laughs> funded. It was an independent studio for a long time. They had a distribution deal with Disney, mm-hmm. but Disney was not involved in the creation of those early Pixar films. They did buy them in, in the 2000s, but, and then John Lasseter became the head of all Disney animation. Um, and Bob Iger thought about uh, closing off Disney animation, but uh, John Lasseter kept it open as a separate Disney animation studio. I have a lot of complaints with Bob Iger, but let's just keep. So there will be there will be much to be discussed. So we're really thinking about these as separate animation studios, but also separate animation studios that are now under the same parent company. But they do have these different styles in their storytelling. So opening salvos in this debate, who are the better storytellers? Conrad, Diana, where are you on this? I would have to say, I know it's going to be a lot of argument. I would have to say Disney is the better storyteller. Hmm. That I, is not what I thought you were going to say. I know. But I have to give it to Disney because, well, if you think about it, well, Pixar, yes, it has a lot of box office hits and all that stuff. But Disney has had so many, maybe it's because they were in it for a longer time, but they have so much more films that are so classic, like their storytelling is so classic and you still go back to it and you still rewatch it. Rather, a lot of Pixar movies, I watch it in the movie theaters and I never rewatch it again. Maybe if it's on ABC Family or stuff like that, but I have a lot of Disney movies that I rewatch and I still enjoy. Like going back and I started watching, like for the show, I had to do my research. So I went back and I watched Robin Hood, The Rescuers, Great Mouse Detective, and I still loved all of it. And it wasn't just, oh, I can see why I liked it as a child. It was still, it was just, I love this movie. This is so entertaining. How much of that, Diana, do you think is, is because you watched a lot of those movies as a kid? And there were less Pixar movies around then. Maybe because of that, but there were like there's like like the Rescuers. I haven't seen it since I was five. I don't remember liking it when I was five. Yeah. I don't remember much of it. And then rewatching it, it was kind of like watching it for the first time, and I still enjoyed it. I actually had a Rescuers like um, like record that had like <laughs> some oh some whole episode of the Rescuers or something on there that I just loved. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, and it had. I think it had like a. It's like turn the page now, and there's like a tone oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, I had that for. I think I had that for Oliver's and Oliver and Company. Yeah, um, I had it for a few a few of the Disney films, and you know I would agree with you. Disney has a long history, and you know they they have been in this game a very long time, but. I I feel like I'm very torn about this particular argument or the debate, as you will, um, because I feel like both studios do different things really well and also have shortcomings in different areas. So I feel like Disney, especially as Ali was talking about in terms of like the score and things like that, um, and moving along a storyline and and I don't want to call it the pageantry but I do think that they do a very good job at that um and their animation has been amazing for a very long time some of it's really terrible too you don't yeah. you know with a lot of movies there's also some really crappy stuff out there as well um and that was a great downfall of Disney in the um late 90s 2000s right is they became a machine that started to put out really poor quality animated films. Right. And so I'm, I'm very torn about it. Um, but then, and then, and then I look at the Incredibles and I, and I look at some of their character development and their interactions and the scripts that they have used. And 
I, I mean, I feel like, especially in my adult life, some of the Pixar films have been just so, I, I want to call them like tearjerkers and stuff like that. You know, like it's, yeah. and I don't know that I always get that feeling with Disney. So I feel like, like Pixar, a lot of their films have a way of eliciting emotion and, and pulling something from me and having me react to things in a way, in a much stronger way than the Disney films have. Huh. So, so but, but you're I'm, leaning Pixar. I'm leaning Pixar in terms of storytelling because a lot of the times when I watch Pixar films, I, even though it's like some like crazy characters that are in there, I sometimes forget that it's an animated film. Mm. And I feel like it's telling, uh, especially with their character development, I feel like it's telling a very human story and something that people can connect with. Um, and I know you know, uh, Diana may not know, but um, when Bill and I first watched Up, you know, we didn't know much about the film. We had no idea what it was about. And the first, like, the exposition scene where you learn all about that character, we were both weeping. We had to take, like, a yeah. break. Yeah. Um, and there were parts of that film I don't think were quite as strong as that, but I mm-hmm. remembered that and kept going back to that being like, I can't even believe that that happened, you know? What, what was masterful about that and very manipulative was uh, <laughs> the whole marketing campaign. You think this is this crotchety old man mm-hmm. and it plays to a lot of stereotypes about um, about individuals who are older. And then it just rips the rug right under your feet and you're just every emotion that humans can feel you feel in those first 15 minutes. So Diana, you're leaning, you're you're coming out hard in favor of Disney. Conrad, you're, you're leaning Pixar. It sounds like though are conflicted. I am right now very conflicted and neutral about this. So I got to say um, the classic Disney films have a strong hold of nostalgia for me, but like you said, Diana, um, they still hold up very well. I think you and I saw um, The Sword in the Stone mm-hmm. um, a few months back together, and we kind of looked at each other. We're like, this is a good film. Now, oh, I always knew that. You looked at Colin, Colin, my boyfriend at the time, and said, this is a good film. And I'm <laughs> yeah, in the back yeah, going, yeah. I told you guys, come had, on. Had you never seen it, Ali? I think I saw it as a kid, but I didn't remember it. And here's the thing about it. I, tr- I, I turned to you guys, and I'm like, now, look, there's, like, no female character in here, and there's all the gender issues that Madam come Mim. up with. <laughs> yeah, there's all that stuff that comes up with Disney. That being said, um, the quality of the animation, the quality of the storytelling, the the music was great. And now, also, Conrad, I got to say that, like, almost almost every Pixar film that's come out has been a financial success, has been a critical success in terms of the reviews. There's only a few duds I can think of. And even then they're not like very dudly. (laughs) Um, But films like Finding Nemo, um, pretty much almost every Toy Story film, um, Wall-E, Up, uh, uh, Monsters, Inc., and then Monsters University. These are films that made me feel very strong emotions, and I really got got, um, swept up in them. So I'm having, and I got to recognize that while John Laster is the brainchild behind Pixar, we wouldn't have John Laster if it wasn't for his love of Disney, mm-hmm. then getting hired by Disney, and then getting fired by Disney, right. and going off and kind of doing Pixar, and now being back at Disney and giving us Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen and Big Hero 6. I will say, though, for the emotional pull, like an argument in favor of Disney... 
for the emotional pull that Pixar has, Disney has had some very emotional films as well. I mean, you can't listen to Baby Mine from Dumbo and not get teared up just thinking about oh my gosh. Baby Dumbo in the arms of his mom. I lose it, a, Diana. I know. Yeah, you have but, to think about it. But you know what? That is like a freaking weird and disturbing film. I know. Yeah, it is. It's, it's not. <laughs> it's, like, that, that may be a moving moment, but as a film... I can't watch that film. I was traumatized by it, and and not yeah. like there's and there's a few Disney films that are like that. Bambi, um, Bambi is one, <laughs> um, but there's yeah. So I and but this is the thing. I would say like in terms of, I mean, I definitely have the nostalgia thing going on, and I think that there are a lot of great Disney films out there that I remember. But I also think that with a lot of them, there can be some problems. Um, and some of the things that, and some of this is because of the date of when these things were made. Yeah. Um, and there are definite, I have a lot of problems with how Disney depicts female characters. Yes. Um, Absolutely. And I just feel like while Pixar isn't perfect, I feel like they're more even handed than Disney has been. And at least I feel like I see an effort coming from them. In yeah, addressing here's, here's some the of thing. these things, and so and and so from a realistic storytelling point of view, I feel like Pixar is much more successful in showing. And I know we're talking about animation, but showing more real characters. So here's the thing that that um, uh, Conrad, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up what you're putting down here. Um, uh, why do we need to make excuses for Disney? You know, like we were just talking about the Sword and the Stone. Yeah, it's it's a great film. No, yeah, there's no women. Um, but it's a great film, uh, you know, um, and what we're, racism aside, right? Yes. Um, and then, um, you know, this theme of the dark skinned character in the Disney film is the evil, is evil character. My favorite example of this is Lion King. All the lines are one color and then Scar is darker than all of them. Like, and we see this with Jafar. We see this with every Disney character. How uh, they- although you do realize that Hero from this film was based upon Mowgli from the Jungle Book. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> and Mowgli uh, was definitely not an evil character. So, uh, or yeah, Mowgli, I guess Mowgli. There's some exceptions here, but there is a theme of having to make excuses for Disney. Um, yeah, and we saw this as recently as as Frozen. Well, and this is one of the things that uh, I don't know if you followed some of the conversations we've had, Diana. But one of the things Ali and I talk about at times is like when you go back and you, there's like there's a film near and dear to your heart or a show or whatever, and you go back. And um, you realize that some of the jokes or some of the writing is really like, like, I think what we were talking about was the movie Heathers. Is that right, Ali? <laughs> that we were talking and there's this like whole scene where it's like just ridiculously offensive. Um, if you are LGBT, you're going to be really upset watching this film. Um, even yeah. though it's a dark comedy and whatever, this was something that was socially acceptable at the time. Um, and there's a lot of things like that, um, like in Bill and Ted's, there's there yeah, are references like thinking. that, too. There's a um, homoph- homo- homophobia moment in Bill and Ted's, which I saw and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't remember this at all. And when you revisit some of this content, it, it creates um, some it, it creates a little bit of cognitive dissonance. You're kind it of does. And, and I don't make excuses for Disney. With- I don't. I, I I think that um, 
I look at some of their strengths, but I'm not saying that these are, I'm not going to make excuses for their shortcomings. And I guess that's kind of why the, the Frozen, why Frozen bothered me so much is yeah. because they had such a chance to do something really amazing and then they didn't do that, but they're still saying it's a feminist film and it really just cut me to the core and made me really angry. <laughs> yeah. I'm this really is... bothered by that as and well. And it's not just it's not just the storyline, because the storyline bothers me as well. Um it's the fact that um I don't know if either of you saw this this uh it was a meme, I suppose, or this artist basically redrew a lot of female Disney characters to make them look as if they were more anatomically like real women. And it's fascinating. And they don't look bad. They just look normal. Um, well, and- I think I think you guys just need to let it go. Let it uh, go. Speaking of score-driven plots. Um, but well, anyway. That's another difference here well, with Disney, Pixar. And, yeah. yeah, you know, Pixar doesn't, besides, you got friend me. There isn't really that iconic song from any of the Pixar films. Although, if you go to Disney World Animal Kingdom and watch Finding, Mus- Finding Nemo the Musical, there's some really good songs there. You know, Finding Nemo the Musical is actually pretty good. Go with the Disney flow. World. Yeah. The but again, but I also think that this is, you know, this is because they're focusing more on the story as opposed to the score. So it's in the background. It's there a little bit, but it's not going to be, you know... It, well, I got as a score nerd, Conrad. I'm going to have to correct you here. I think they have excellent scores, but in terms of lyrical music, okay, yeah, they, they're not really known for that. They've hired some amazing composers for for their scores. So. Just a fun fact: when we're talking about since we're talking about scores, and you mentioned Mowgli, the Jungle Book actually had a whole completely different score, and. Walt Disney basically scrapped everything except mm-hmm. for bare necessities, and he said, "Write it based on that." Oh, sorry, write it based on that. Oh, interesting. Um, well, and also as an aside, did either of you ever see that documentary um, about the the two brothers who are basically oh the Sherman brothers? Yes, and it's an oh, amazing documentary about this. them. Oh. Um, it really is incredible and it's a little bit sad too, but it's definitely worth watching. Well, so you guys, I'll put it. I'll put it in the link, or I'll send you the link for the show in notes. The show notes, Great. nice. Um, but the, it's well, you guys, you guys, you guys. We can't, uh, Dana. You just mentioned Walt Disney, and I think Walt Disney and John Lasseter are the two names that come up in this debate. And historically, there has been some criticism of Walt Disney for being involved in propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some anti-Semitic criticism of him and his work. And I think there are these layers of uncomfortable discussions that have to come up about Disney. Mm -hmm. And they're uncomfortable, I think, for me because there's so much of Disney that I love. I love a lot of the films, and I know this isn't in our debate, but I think in terms of entertainment, they are great storytellers when they come to the amusement park. That's the key difference with every Disney park is their story. Yes. Even in the line, the, the queue that you're in, there's a story. Well, um, even in the fact that they call everybody and expect everybody who works there to be a cast member. So yep. that's that's their whole thing. They want when you walk into Disney World, you're walking into their world and they want to make that this amazing thing. And I think that that's part of why they have this reputation. Um, and, you know, I I don't know, like, like I think that you can't. 
you can't sugarcoat some of the issues um, because there are a lot that you need to talk about in terms of in terms of some of the things and you know they're um they've become a little bit better in some of the things that they've done and it's not just in their treatment of women but it's also treatment of lgbt um individuals in their films um pretty much any minority group yeah (laughs) well conrad i think you've convinced me i am leaning towards disney and here's one uh, i'm sorry i'm leaning towards pixar (laughs) whoa 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 I'm leaning towards uh, Pixar because we wouldn't have Big Hero 6 if it wasn't for Pixar coming back, John Laster being back in the fold. I think they're bringing, they're bringing Disney animation back. And um, I am a big fan See, of that. This is why I kind of blame Bob Iger for this kind of thing, because as soon as he came in, he put he created the Disney vault. So they locked away all these DVDs. I hate the Disney like, Vault. Oh, Disney the Disney Vault, vault he, is evil. Like he turned yeah. basically Disney into a corporation. So I feel like that's done the growth. Rather, like what what you would say about Walt Disney and all the arguments and how he's anti-Semitic and all that stuff, which I will not argue. But he was a storyteller <laughs> and he did have an animation. He did try to create like as much like use as much technology as he could to tell a story. Yeah. But I feel like as soon as Bob Iger came into the into play it just became let's make money who was the ceo before Iger? um because uh, i really didn't like that guy the ceo in the 90s i think he he sort of um i'm blanking on his name but he was the individual who sort of let the um amusement parks sort of slide oh. didn't do as much maintenance around them didn't really invest in them i i think they've had some problems with their le- uh with their leadership um in the in the 90s and 2000s that's when they became a big conglomerate, bought ABC yeah. and all of that. But I think some of the smartest things they've done is recently buying Marvel, mm-hmm. buying uh, Pixar, and investing in properties that have really great creative talent behind them. Are you um, thinking of Michael Eisner? Eisner. Eisner's the guy who I'm not a big fan of. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I, I think we we got it, you guys. We got two in favor of Pixar, uh, one brave soul, uh, Diana standing up loyal for Disney. Fan. One loyal fan. Well, no, I, I, this is the thing. I agree with Diana because on certain points because I also think that without Disney, you wouldn't have the Pixar um, brand. I just feel like Pixar took it to another level. Um, and, and from a storytelling point of view, from my point of view, is that I feel like Pixar does a better job at telling everybody's story, or at least they're making a t- an attempt to. Um, so... Well, you know what, you guys? I think we can all agree that Disney and Pixar, it moves us all. <laughs> it's a circle. It's no. Kind of like, it's kind of like Disney circle is like this older brother. It's kind of like Disney's like the older brother and Pixar is kind of like the step brother that got married into the family and it's younger. <laughs> they started, but they're both geniuses and now they're together as a family. So they're kind of working together now. So it's kind of like, okay, let's see what you guys can do together. I don't like Mike and Sully, just saying. Nice, nice. Um, But I I guess with that, are we ready to jump out of the crossover chamber? Yeah, uh, dear listeners, let us know who you think wins this debate. But let's close up these doors because we got a real fun topic to talk about. Um, Let's exit the infinite crossover chamber. And 
on to our top five. Conrad, what are we talking about today? Uh, today, given our theme, we are going to be talking about our top five animated films. You guys, I had a really tough time with oh this god, list. Oh my god, you have no idea. I think I'm still updating this list as I'm reading it right now. <laughs> That's okay, because Godred does that all the time. No, I do it all the time. Um, <laughs> this was a tough list because we've also, we've had some animated discussions. <laughs> about... Ah. Uh, that's good. I just got that. Uh, about animation. <laughs> and, you know, some of these have, you may see a couple of repeats for me because clearly I like them. But, um, you know, I did leave out Monsters, Inc. because we've talked about that a lot before. Mm. Um, but I also, you know, I picked a little bit of nostalgia. I picked a little bit of what was moving me um, in terms of, of animated films in recent years. Um but this was very hard to narrow down. Absolutely. Um, so, Conrad, you you were trying to highlight some different stuff. You're going with nostalgia. Um, Diana, how'd you go about developing your list? I actually, I had the toughest time. I had a list of like 30, and I could not rank any of them. I'm just like, they're all my favorite. So okay. I actually confided in my friend about this, and she told me, since I'm going on a show and I actually have to argue why I like it, Pick the ones that actually have a reason, like, that's justifiable that you can actually easily voice out. And I'm like, okay, that actually does help me narrow down some some, some of them instead of others being just because of nostalgia or just because that one's funny, you know? So that kind of helped me with my list. Although, And I must say, even though I chose Disney as the better storyteller, mine is very Pixar heavy. Mm. Mm. And Ali, as part of the, because I, I gathered that we were able to pick not just did you were you including stop motion in this as well oh conrad that might be a spoiler if i answer that question um yes i (laughs) I included stop motion as animation Mm, interesting okay so um diana you are our guest and you have long been considering this question what is your number five pick okay my number five pick is finding nemo Nice. Mm-hmm. Solid pick. And I want to say part of the reason I chose this was because of the marketing strategy that they had. If you guys do, you guys remember the trailer? It was literally just thirty seconds of ocean, and <laughs> yeah, all you heard was. was just Nemo, Nemo, and you're like, "What is this?" So people who went to go see the movie actually loved the movie, and nothing was spoiled, nothing was given away, so everything was just like a pure delight and pure surprise. Um, Finding Nemo is actually my number four, Diana. Nice. Nicely done. We have a mm-hmm. almost mind meld. Um, and it is not just because I love this film and I've seen it many, many, many times. Um, it is also because my nieces and nephews all love this film. <laughs> and it ha- I think it has an appeal to such a wide audience and it has such a great story. Um, it was... And it is, there's like a lot of, there's so many great things about this, about conquering your fears, about not letting fears overtake you. Um, and I just really adored it. And I'm still, I can still watch it and not be bored. And the best thing about Finding Nemo that I think is just because there's no, it's not based off of any story. So mm-hmm. you can't see what's happening. So you don't know what's going to happen between him and finding his son. Right. So, like, who is he going to run into? What is he going to do? Like, how is he going to get out of it? Like, you don't know. There's no preface for this. I, I, um, Finding Nemo's not on my list. Um, 
just because there's so many awesome films and I wanted to highlight only one Pixar film in my list. Um, but I, I love this film. It, it just visually it's up till that point, it was really hard to do CG underwater or to do water. It's still CG. very hard to do CG water. Yeah. Well, you're in the industry. Yes. Um, <laughs> you're in this industry, Diana. So I, I, I trust your opinion more than mine. Um, I don't do much computer generation of images in my line of work. Um, and they made this very lush, beautiful world. Um, some great funny moments. I love that it came out on Father's Day, I believe. Oh, did uh, it? Yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, a film that, you know, a, a lot of parents could see with their kids and it would resonate on a deeper level. Um, a great film. H- however, however, <laughs> uh, dear nerds, I don't know how I feel about finding uh, the sequel coming out, Finding Dory. Dory. Yeah. Mm. I agree I mean, with you. You this is this is our Lucas uh, rolling conversation as well. <laughs> and oh, one thing I should say. Um, speaking of Dory, I like how they Dory's depiction of uh, interrogate grade amnesia. I thought it was a pretty accurate portrayal of what that uh, problem looks like. So uh, the ability to no longer form or losing the ability to form new memories. That's kind of what it would be like. So nicely done, Pixar. Um, uh, Conrad, what's your number five? My number five, I went with nostalgia on this one. um, And I picked The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Um, And part it is a classic. And part of why I picked it was because at the time, um, a lot of the things that they did with the narration you know, where, where Pooh Bear is like kind of walking across the letters and you have the narrator interacting with the characters. Um, I, I still think holds up. It's still very cool. There, there is definitely, there's some pieces of it that have aged not so well, but, um, it is probably, you know, it's one of my comfort movies and this is definitely a nostalgia kind of thing. Um, Speaking of which, if you have not seen the original Winnie the Pooh characters at the New York Public Library, you should go and hmm. see them. Very cool. I love how they have uh, exhibits on display there. Oh, uh, no, they're part of, they they have them permanently, the original uh, stuffed animals. Really? I didn't know that. Yep. Wow, stuffed animals. I thought it was just artwork. N- no, uh, well, the books are based on um, A.A. Milne's, uh, Christopher Robin is is an actual was an actual real kid and these were his stuffed animals so you should go and see them the original Pooh Bear and stuff so it's in the it's at the 34th street branch you know i might um i might have to take new to see that because she's a big winnie the pooh fan um she really likes eeyore (laughs) yeah Um, so anyway just a little tidbit there but yes um and Um, i and that was that was just like and it wasn't, you know, a lot of little kids like this. And I actually uh, introduced this to to uh, my nephew. And he just kept replaying the Tigger parts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's still appeal for, for some of this. So, Good pick. Um, my number five is a contemporary pick. It is a pick that came out this year and it had a massive earworm. Um, it is uh, everything is awesome. I picked the Lego movie for my fifth pick and huh. I love this film. I actually prefer the Batman song better than everything is awesome. <laughs> uh, Batman. No parents. No parents. That was hilarious. <laughs> 
God, right? Have you seen Lego Movie yet? I have not. I know. Oh my God! I know. I told you to see this film. I know you told me to. It just got like lost in Legoland, but I'll oh. I'll watch it for, just for you, Ollie. Ooh, touche! Nice comeback. Um, so. Uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything about Lego Movie, but here's the thing: is I, this is a movie? I saw the trailer for this, and I'm like, uh, seriously, a movie about Legos? Okay, they just want to use this to sell product, and they sold a ton of product. But <laughs> that being said, um, it's a film that um, reached beyond the aspirations of selling product, like I think Big Hero Six, like a lot of these great films that we're talking about, and told a deeper story. Mm-hmm. And it was a story that I think would resonate with a lot of parents as they're watching it. And it had it did that funny thing that a lot of great animated films do, where they have a lot of child humor. They have humor that also speaks to um, adults that kids just don't pick up on. Um, and The Simpsons does that brilliantly. Um, a few other shows do that brilliantly. A few other animated films have done that. And The Lego Movie did that very nicely. I was so pleasantly surprised by this film. Um, now it's got a pretty mighty earworm. And I'm sure I just angered a bunch of listeners by uh, evoking it. But I really kind of like that song. Um, so... I mean, it's, it's Lonely Planet. You can't. It's Lonely Planet. Totally. Uh, so good. Um, cool. Okay. So uh, round one is over. Moving on to our number fours. Conrad, you had Finding Nemo as your uh, number four. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Diana, what was your number four pick? Mine was The Incredibles. Mm. Only number four. I thought that would be your number one. It was, I, it was actually not even in my top five list what i actually put it in my top five list and put it as number four before finding out because i think the villain syndrome is the most well-developed villain Mm -hmm. that both pixar or disney ever had well that is why it's my number two diana Ooh, you guys are you guys are on the same wavelength here. Mm-hmm. I told you, mine's very Pixar heavy. <laughs> mine is it that you know when I watched this film and I first saw it in the theater, I was blown away by so many things. I just thought there was, I thought that the villain was well developed. I thought all the family dynamics were really well developed, um, and how they showed how the Incredibles got to where they were, sort of hiding out in witness protection or superhero protection or whatever you want to call it. Um, I really just thought that the story was so fantastic um, that I was absolutely obsessed. And the Star Wars references, of course, made me really happy. Um, (laughs) But also how it it looked. I thought it was just this... I just couldn't even believe how amazing it looked. Um, and now it, it still looks great, but yeah. we've made strides now. But at the time, this was just like, I couldn't even believe how beautiful the whole thing was and how their hair moved and everything like that. So that was Speaking why it was my hair movement. Hair movement was ridiculously awesome in Big Hero Six. Oh, yeah, 6. definitely. Oh, yes. And actually, I that's... I was like, oh, my gosh. That's what I was thinking of while I was watching Big Hero 6. It was like, I remember watching The Incredibles and thinking that was amazing, but this is, like, yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah. I really liked The Incredibles. It's not on my list, uh, but it's, it's really great. I love Samuel L. Jackson being, where is my super suit? My favorite <laughs> character in all Incredibles is Edna Mode. Oh, she's oh, so good. Yeah. Oh, she's, she's so iconic. Great. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, it, what Incredibles does well, it, it's 
if this is a top five superheroes movies list, which Conrad, we haven't done yet, uh, but I guess we should do that at some point. Um, <laughs> it, it, Incredibles would, would be on my list. And I love the moment where um, he's trying to pin a lapel to his uniform or something and he's having a hard time. And they're they're talking about or, or like a microphone or something. He's like, I'm a superhero, but I can't do this thing. You know? I can punch the walls, but I can't. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought that was a, such a human moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, good pick. Good pick, you guys. Um, my number four is something that Conrad might have been alluding to or might have been given away by Conrad's question about stop motion. My number four is the fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was thinking about putting that on my top five, too, but I don't know. It didn't do it for you, Dinah? It didn't do it for me because I love the book. Uh, well, yeah, I, I did too. I just thought it was such a fun, weird Wes Anderson mm-hmm. animated film. And Wes Anderson is one of those guys where um, you like him or you don't. And his films are very kind of weird. Very polarizing. Yes. Yeah, very polarizing. Mm-hmm. And it worked for me. Um, I love the acting in here. Um, I really like the voice work. George Clooney plays a really just... Uh, Meryl Streep, I mean. Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's got such a great cast. Um, Jason Schwartzman, who uh, is, uh, we found out, a very nice gentleman. Yes. Uh, Diana, we had a run-in with him in, in Soho. Uh, Bill Murray is great in here. Um I just like the cast. I like the acting. I thought the animation was really unique. Um, and it was just so cool to see Wes Anderson and all these actors doing an animated film. <laughs> and silence. Uh, no, I, I I thought it was okay. It wasn't. And I love Wes Anderson. It just wasn't my favorite from an animation point of view. So. All right, fine. Make me feel like the outsider. No, no, I, I liked it. I just think, you know, what's tough about this list is that I, like Diana, I think I had like 30 that I had to narrow this down and I'm still yeah. not totally pleased with how it ended up. If that makes <laughs> sense, because there's like so many I'd love to like cram in there. Yeah. So. And not to make you feel like an outsider, I'll join you on the outsider club. My number three is really out there. Oh, what is your number three? It's a Disney film. It's not one of its best that people really love, but I love it and I will defend it. It's not that Pirates and Pirates. No, it's not Treasure Planet. No. Yeah, that movie's stupid. It's Meet the Robinsons. Oh, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. It might be the (laughs) Doctor Who fan in me that really liked it, that recognized it before I even became a Doctor Who fan, but. It's very timey-wimey of you. It's very, and the whole, um, what's it called? The whole film is very timey-wimey. It's about him going to the future to save basically the future, but also to kind of save the past Hmm. as well, because basically it's about, have you seen it? I have not seen it. Conrad, have you seen it? I have seen it. So it's basically about this little orphan boy who's a genius, who's kind of like Hero, and he's... uh, um, It's pronounced Hero. Sorry, Hiro. <laughs> and so he um, basically is an orphan and he grows up not ha- being adopted, basically, and become, becomes this 12 year old boy. And he realizes that the older that you get, the harder it is for you to get adopted. And he just realized that he just comes into the belief that no one wants him. So he says, so in his mind, he thinks, my mom will want me. So he creates this machine that can read your mind even like the hidden memories that you've locked away to see what his mom looked like so he can find her. Huh. But 
in the middle of him creating this thing, there's this whole thing. Um, basically, he gets kidnapped into time. He goes to the future to be, because the time As one does. Yeah. So it becomes this whole workaround thing. And I don't know if I want to spoil it for you. That's no, I don't want to spoil it. Don't but- spoil it. But time travel comes into play. Origin stories come into play. Huh. Um, family dynamics, because it's it's based off the book Meet the Robinsons, where it's like this hu- like huge family of different quirky characters. Mm-hmm. So there's that. It's fast-talking comedy. It's And it's because it's like a Disney animation before Pixar came in, and it's kind of one of those corporate things, it didn't take itself too seriously. Mm. And the main message of it was um, let it go and keep moving forward. Let it go. And it actually has, even though it doesn't have a really good score to it, it has a really good theme song. It's um, it's called what's it called? Um, these small hours. Huh. I think. I I liked it. It wasn't as coherent to me as some of the other films, but mm-hmm. I thought it was at least like it was an original idea, or at least from from a you know animated thing. Did you ever see the girl who um, who who leapt through time? No, it's actually. an anime film, and that's what it reminded me a little bit of, uh, or that's like a theme of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of um, it is definitely a nuke film. You should see it, Ali. I bet you would like it. Yeah, you know, Diane, Disney should hire you for marketing because you just marketed that film much better than than I think Disney did. Uh, I had no idea there was such a strong sci-fi element to it. Um, you actually. Um, made me a little curious to check it out. It kind of had my elements of Big Hero Six to it, yeah. Because because he's a boy genius, and it basically talks about all these inventions in the future and about what the future will look like if it was like created by a genius and had like you know people travel through by bubble and stuff like that. And it was really funny because um, there's a moment where he goes to the city of the future and they pass by like a Disney World, and <laughs> instead of instead of Tomorrowland, it says Todayland. Oh, that's funny. So that That's was one of my good. favorite movements. It's very tongue-in-cheek, like, yeah, you realize I, we're a Disney movie. And I feel like they didn't market it very well. Like, I think yeah. the trailers just kind of tried to make it seem quirky without really telling you anything, and they almost told too little. So mm. it's, I think it's it's definitely worth a, a watch. Yeah, I'll lend you the DVD. Well, my, my number three is uh, not a film that um, uh, will need much introduction. Um, Conrad, you and I have talked about this before. It's Brad Bird's wonderful animated film, The Iron Giant. Mm, uh, see, that's I, in my honorable mention. I didn't put it in because you and I had talked so much about it before um, in a previous episode. So. Well, I Conrad, but, you just have it in for me on this episode. Don't no, you? I don't. It was this <laughs> is this is actually the one where I was like, oh, it really should be on there, but we talked so much about it, so I left it off. But I want to hear you talk about it anyway. Well, see, that's why I put it on. I've got your back, Conrad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, so for those of you, for the few of you who haven't seen it, um, go watch it. It's um, if you like Brad Bird's work, um, he did The Incredibles, right? Mm-hmm. And he also it, did Mission Impossible Mission Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Protocol. And he's doing Tomorrowland, which was the trailers connected to Big Hero 6. And talk about science being cool. We had Interstellar last week, mm-hmm. Big Hero 6 this week. We've got um, Tomorrowland coming up, which is seems like a very pro-science film. We had that uh, Spare Parts movie. I saw the trailer for this, which is about um, a high school team creating an underwater robot. Like, science is cool. So that's awesome. But that's a tangent as well. (laughs) So pulling myself back in, um, the Iron Giant, Brad Bird, um, beautiful animation, Vin Diesel, 
plays the part of the giant and it it plays on a lot of ideas that we've seen in um, in science fiction but it tells a very deep emotional story about this boy and his connection to to this iron giant robot um, I think that's all I can really say without giving away too much I will say though for the from a visual effects standpoint I actually talked to a, an artist today because I was like I can't decide what my top five is <laughs> I love how seriously you took I, this serious, top five. I asked everybody because I'm like what is your number one favorite animated movie <laughs> and they would tell me I'm like I didn't think about that you're right and his was um iron giant and i asked yeah. him why and he said it was because a had everything like the darkness like it had like dark moments but it had like the magic and the movie like and it was just like everything that you wanted as a little boy mm. he was a guy obviously so then and but then he also said because the iron giant you can't tell but it was made entirely in CG. That's a CG Iron Giant. But mm. it was so laid perfectly with the 2D elements that and the drawings that you can't tell that yeah. it was CG animated. Yeah. And, he, and that's, that was the era where we saw movies like Titan AE and movies that are beginning to experiment with, mm. the, with the 2D animation and 3D animation. Mm. And I, I love that style. I yeah. wish we would see more of that. Mm-hmm. It's also Vin Diesel's best work. <laughs> what about Groot? Okay, yeah. He does, does that count as work if you just sat in a booth and said, like, one line? Each I am Groot is a different... Intonation. Intonation. It's like Siri. <laughs> um, so that's my number three. Um, I was going to say something else, but I totally forgot. Um, Diana, yours was Meet the Robinsons. Conrad, what was your number three? Um, mine was Wreck-It Ralph. Nice. Wreck it, Ralph. Mm-hmm. Fix it, Felix. I'm gonna wreck it. I just loved <laughs> the story. I loved all the video game references. It, 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 I, I went in not really knowing. I knew a little, very tiny bit about what it was about. And this, this movie, I was successful in not spoiling myself before I went. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Uh, before I went to see it, um, I tried to stay away <laughs> from from any report and whatever, and. Um, I succeeded and I was just so happy watching it. And it was one of those films that I was just like, ah, this is, this is, you know, how I used to feel watching animated features, you know, and, and there were so many clever things about it. And I really love the storyline. Um, so I picked this as my number three. Good choice. I'm not going to go. Pick. I'm not going to go too much into the storyline because Ali and I have waxed poetic about Wreck It Ralph during our nostalgia episode. I will say, the the voice of King Candy is also the voice of the billionaire in Hero Six. I forgot his name was Care Care Kai. Not talking about oh I, Alan Tudyk. You know. But... Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. What was the guy's name? The billionaire. It's Alistair Cray. Cray? Uh, yeah, yeah, Cray. Cray, Cray. Industries. Cray sounds great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, we've we've talked about this storyline so many times. So I don't want to like bore people by talking about <laughs> you, it again. You know, one of my, one of my favorite moments. Uh, Nguyen and I were at Disneyland this year, and we got to play Fix It, Felix. Oh, nice. They have it. They have it in Tomorrowland. You can play it uh, at the arcade right outside uh, Space Mountain. So that that's was awesome. pretty cool. And awesome. we saw we saw a lot of Wreck It Ralphs uh, during New York Comic Con this year, like cosplayers. And Dinah, you cosplayed as... Uh... Penelope von Schweetz, and I cosplayed nice. last year, so I am a trendsetter. Yes, clearly, <laughs> clearly. Um, we, yeah, totally. So, so that moving into our top two, or uh, our number two. Yes, so my um, number two is The Incredibles. Diana, what was your number two? Lion King. Ooh. 
Well, The Lion King was my number one. Ah. Look, we're we're all over the board here. Hmm? Yeah. You know, you just couldn't wait to give your to give my number one, could you? Hakuna Matata. (laughs) What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing grace. (laughs) I could do this all night, so I better stop. But why was uh, Lion King your number two, Diana? It's such, well, it's Shakespeare, but it's such a classic story, and it holds up even after all this time. Like, we went to go see it when it came out in 3D. Yeah. And it still held up, and you watched it. At the Ziegfeld Theater. That was such an awesome I know. And then there's all these details that you never caught as a kid, and... It's still get you still cry when Mufasa dies. Spoiler alert: Mufasa dies. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Diana. And like you've held, he's both. I know. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I ruined it for everybody. But yeah, it's such like and it's such an iconic and I feel like it's almost throughout everyone's favorite. Like they all, no one says anything bad about Lion King. There's nothing bad you can say about Lion King besides maybe Scar being slightly dark. Yeah, there's a racist Scar stuff. Um, uh, and the hyenas, I think that's, that's can be a little racist too. To uh, be fair, the hyenas were actually supposed to be like the three witches in like Macbeth. Yeah. Hyenas, I think. But yeah. Again, this is this gets to us making having to make excuses for Disney. Um, it's my number one, so clearly yeah. I'm making excuses for Disney. Um, it was, uh, I think, it's the last of the great Disney uh, 2D animated films. I'm a big fan of The Princess and the Frog, but apparently, like, I'm the only one who saw that film. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. Actually, I had one of the biggest laughs from Princess and the Frog. It's from when Louis describes how he just wants loves to play the trumpet yeah. and they're like, why can't you just play it at, at like in real life? And he, you see that montage of him jumping on the ship <laughs> and he's playing and everyone is screaming and running for their lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's just trying to like have a good time. There's so many great little moments like yeah. that. And I think getting back to Lion King, um, the cinematography is beautiful. The animation is beautiful. The songs. The gr- so great songs by Elton John and then a great score by Hans Zimmer. One of yeah. his first big scores. Um, James Earl Jones as Mufasa and JTT as Simba. Um, really, really uh, all around um, great film. Yes, it's Shakespeare, um, but you know, like West Side Story, that's Shakespeare as well, but reinvented for a modern age in mm-hmm. a way to tell that story in a modern way. And um, that's cool. I'm all on board with that. So um, I love this film. I can sing you any song, including Be Prepared. <laughs> I- Which is my favorite Disney song of all time. Oh, really? Yeah. You Be, be Prepared. Yes. Why is Be Prepared your favorite? It's just... It's hilarious because it's like this evil villain. Prepare for what? For the death of the king. No. Why is he sick? No, fools are going to kill him. <laughs> and Simba, too. <laughs> like, who needs a king? No, no king, king, no, no king. king. La, 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 la. Fools. There will be a king. Okay, and it's like, and it's, I don't know, and it's Jeremy <laughs> Irons' silky voice with like Cheech in the background with Whoopi Goldberg like laughing about everything. And it's just, it's such a good song. Yeah. Yeah. Which led to a great Broadway show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, Conrad, you've been um, uh, silent on Lion King. Uh, any any thoughts on Lion King? Um, I think it's a fine story. It's just not one of my favorites. So, <laughs> um, I think no. I mean, I think it's got a great score. I enjoyed it. Um, I I know many people really love it, and I did see the Broadway musical, which was amazing. 
Um, and I think that it, it has that stain power and it's, it's definitely one of those films that I think when this came out, people were like, Oh, Disney, Disney's got it back, you know, mm. like, cause there was a while there before this came out where it, Disney was kind of floundering a little bit. I thought that was like the height of Disney because yeah, we had Aladdin. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Well, Hunchback uh, might have been a little. Uh... I don't know. It, maybe it was the height. <laughs> but anyway, I and I liked it a lot. I just, there's, there's, and it would have been on, if our list had been longer, it would have been on there, but not, not to the top of my list. So. Okay, fair enough. Um, my number two um, is Toy Story 3. That went, went. I wanted to put that on my top five, but I couldn't justify it. Well, here's how I'm going to justify it. Um, I love the Toy Story trilogy, but my favorite really has to be number three. And again, they're making a Toy Story 4? What the heck? It I mean, ended so beautifully. It, Why? It was, they it was they perfect... should have just left it there. What is wrong with that? No, absolutely. And I'm not going to spoil the end for the few of you who haven't seen it. But... Mufasa dies. Uh, Mufasa dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He comes back and James Earl Jones comes case, back. Just in case you didn't hear me the first time, <laughs> just letting you guys know. You know, just an FYI, it is now possible for Mufasa and Darth Vader to appear in the same movie, both voiced by James Earl Jones. Like, Disney could do this now because they own all this <laughs> yeah, stuff. Mufasa should, do give, this. Mufasa should give Darth Vader fathering tips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be <laughs> awesome. I'm Luke's father. Well, I'm Simba's father. Um, anyways. You should always be there for your son. Well, here are some fighting <laughs> tips so next time you don't get defeated by your yeah. brother. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so... Let's see. What was I talking? Oh, yes. Toy Story 3. <laughs> um, here's the thing about this film is um, I think it, the, it it has this message about these transition points in life. Mm-hmm. And I saw that film when I was going through a big transition point in my life, having moved from D.C. to New York and kind of saying bye to these friendships that I had for many, many years and moving to a place where I knew almost no one. And that's when I saw Toy Story 3. And I was so trying to hold on to this this part of my life that was coming to an end. And it just completely resonated with me. Like, I was in tears at the end of that movie. Oh, I was a mess. Oh, I was so moved. And the way that it... Pixar, Pixar, you, it took me on this ride where it kind of broke me down and then it lifted me up and I walked out of that theater just feeling like I had been through like 20 therapy sessions <laughs> was ending on a good note. That's how I felt about Toy Story 3. The thing I loved about Toy Story 3 was that it made me like the characters. I hated Toy Story 1 and 2. Wow. Diana, you are, uh, that is a surprising thing to come I did not expect that. I I just did not because I thought in Toy Story one, Woody was just so whiny. Hey, partner! Like he just could not let it go. I got a snake in my boots. And then Toy Story two was actually they were forced to make a Toy Story two because of the distribution deal that they had with Disney. So Disney's like, you have to make a second movie, and it was supposed to go straight to DVD. But Disney's like, no, it has to go to film. Like, is that why it was bad? So that's why it was bad. (laughs) It was kind of like half-assed. I'm like, okay, we need to get something out to finish the contract so we can get that out and focus on the picture at the time. I think it was like Finding Nemo or something. Yeah. 
So they get that out. So number two doesn't really count. So and number one, I was already bothered by Woody. And I'm like, of course, you're going to be friends with him. Hello, like, just be the bigger person. Andy, even though he likes it, will still love you, whatever. Like, why can't you see that? So I was so frustrated. And then Toy Story 3 was when it's like, we had to stay stick together with Annie and that became more of a that became more a thing and it became more of a teamwork and less annoying people so mm. that's why I like Toy Story 3 better. Hmm. Conrad? Um I love Toy Story and Toy Story 3 um I agree with you on too absolutely. <laughs> um but uh Toy Story 3 I don't know. I felt I I was very upset with it and I was upset with it at the end. I didn't feel as lifted up as I guess you did, Ollie. Um I felt like it, I was very I felt it was very manipulative and so I just didn't really enjoy it as much even though I understood what they were doing. Um and it's really hard for me to watch that film with like a little kid and then them getting all upset. You know, so I just it isn't I I understand what they did and I understand why people like it, but I just can't like it. So interesting, interesting. It it is a a little manipulative, um, but it was exactly the manipulation I needed at that time. So <laughs> you like that's... being manipulated? Admit it. I do. You I love I have, mind games. <laughs> I, I I have issues with this. Um, <laughs> So um, let's move into our number one. Um, we already heard my pick, which is Lion King. Which that- I'm really surprised. I thought you would pick, like, at least top two would be Lion King and Wally. That's what I thought you would pick. So I, I really tried to keep it to just one Pixar, um, and I and that's why I went with Toy Story Three. Wally is fantastic. I love it, mm-hmm. but um, I had to pick one Pixar. Dana, we're going to save you for last, um, Conrad. Your number one pick. Um, my number one p- pick is kind of weird, and I also went into the stop motion vault for this. <laughs> um, just uh, don't say who framed Roger Rabbit. No, no. Does that count though? As I, don't, I don't know because if, if that was the case, I'm totally switching my number one to Mary Poppins. But I, I took I that out because I don't action. think it counts. No, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't really yeah. count. It's half, half. Um, yeah. But yeah. I picked Nightmare Before Christmas. Ah, that is such a Conrad pick. It is a Conrad pick because it's a little dark. It's a little. No, but part of why I picked it is because it was this super weird movie mm-hmm. that came out and it has such a great it has a great score as well as great songs. Um, but the storyline is just really incredible and moving. And if you get past the sort of weirdness of Tim Burton, clearly he had a very odd childhood, no question. Um, <laughs> but it's really about this this main character who's suffering from depression. And he he has ennui. He doesn't know what's, why he's so dissatisfied with things that used to make him happy. And because there's a lot of missing things in his life. And so he's trying to fill it with things that don't make sense. So instead of being the king of Halloween, he's becoming the king of Christmas. And that's not working. So he's putting like his whole spin on it. And he's not, he's trying to sort of force himself into a shape that isn't, isn't what his ideal shape is anymore, you know? Um, And eventually he kind of comes full circle and realizes that sort of the friend that he's had, this, this uh, Sally, this character that's been there the whole time, like what he was really looking for was companionship and somebody who understood him. Um, and I really think it's a really beautiful story. Um, 
And it is a very weird and twisted story. So clearly I love that too. But um, I'm going to have to revisit it, Conrad, because you, you've pretty much uh, just sold me on, on rewatching it. I watched it when it first came out and I, I think I was just scared. Yeah, um, I never finished watching because I was so scared. I was so yeah, little. Yeah, yeah. You guys are youngins, so you have to watch it again. But it's it's if you take if you take that the horror part out of it, um, it really is like this amazing story about this this guy who's like, I mean, I don't know. I guess he's going through a mid Halloween crisis or something. <laughs> um, but it's it's really a pretty. It's like a gorgeous story, and and. The animation and the detail is incredible too, yeah. um, and the stop motion stuff. But I, I just thought it was a beautiful story wrapped in something truly bizarre. Which you know, good pick. Have good to pick, have Connor. to like it. But we have saved the very best for last. So I cannot wait to hear what Diana's number one is. Again, very Pixar heavy. I chose Up. Uh, wow, you keep surprising me, Diana. I you would so not think you'd pick up. Uh, I have a giant poster of Up in my in my house that you've been to. Yes. How is that surprising then? <laughs> well, uh, here's why I'm surprised because uh, I I think the thing about Up for me, um, I love it. I love Michael Giacchino's score that won him his first Oscar, and I, I play that score so many times. Bump, bum, bum. But what? No, that's a horrible version. Yeah, yeah, so good. Um, yeah, don't invite us to your karaoke night, people. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we will take it over. Um, the, the thing about Up is, I think so much of that film is overshadowed by the beginning, and I, I think the film um, there are dips in it later on that don't hold up. But like, I still love it. Like. Um, his relationship with that child yeah. is is such a great arc to the story. The dog is so cute. I mm-hmm. want that dog. Um, but but uh, hold on. This is not my number one pick. It's number yours. Why isn't it your number one pick? Just because of that first 10 minutes of that, you know, the whole exposition of Carl. Yeah, Carl and his, like, you Nelly. know, his life story with, with Ellie. And that first 10 minutes made you feel more than you did when you watch most films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that was just epic storytelling. There's no dialogue. Well, there's no, like, short dialogue at the very beginning when they're kids. But the whole life story, it's so yeah. relatable. Yeah. It's so, it punches you in the gut. And, like, and then even kids understand that's sad, but they don't really know why at some point. But the, un- do the adults understand when, like, Ellie loses the baby. And it's just like, oh, my God. And then it just opens up suddenly with construction working. Yeah. Yeah, I, this... This was the one that I struggled with. This along with Iron Giant, uh, we've we've talked about up a little bit here, which is why I didn't put it. Um, and I and it was it did appear in one of my top fives. Um, mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I think that this was such a movie. Forget the animation piece; that was just an amazing piece of storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Um. And really, like as I said, we had to pause so we could both like go get tissues and mm-hmm. and cry <laughs> and like and we were like, okay, now we're ready to move on. <laughs> but it was <laughs> like, I I did I was not anticipating that at all. Um. You know so. what's funny about this is last week when we were recording the show, Conrad, uh, the Interstellar episode, Nguyen was watching up in the background. And with headphones on, and I heard her sniffling, and I'm like, oh, no, 
she's watching up and it's that first <laughs> no matter how many times you've seen that that sequence it still resonates the married life sequence although what's really funny is that i also cry at the end a little bit when um russell is in his um badge ceremony yeah oh, no it is i mean and, it's so sweet and the Car- yeah carl is there and it's just like oh my god like it still lasted and hasn't hasn't your your brother cosplayed as okay this? for the record that was my <laughs> halloween costume i went as russell one year yeah and then my brother he younger to, brother. my younger brother he's yeah. like we're like 13 years apart so he's much younger so he was celebrating halloween for the first time and he was he was he's not anymore he was a chubby (laughs) little asian kid so i was i told i gave him my halloween costume because i'm like this is perfect i wore this last year you can wear it this year and if he looked amazing and to the point if you google search halloween costume khakis he's one of the google image like results that's amazing that's amazing my friend was my friend was trying to find like an easy costume she's like oh um, Halloween costume khakis and she scrolled down and she's like wait isn't that your brother <laughs> that's what pretty amazing no I, I was impressed by this costume <laughs> choice oh man well you know um, Diana Conrad I'm so glad that that top five's over and we can just mention a few honorable mentions because in retrospect it was a very unfair top five it's kind of like saying top five live action films it's such a wide genre that it's hard to just limit it to five. So I'm wondering if you guys had any honorable mentions you just wanted to, to mention. I want to mention all the Dan Bluth films that came out, like Land Before Time, Rock-A-Doodle-Doo, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Those were all really good. And also wanted to mention Fern Gully, because that was really iconic when I was little. <laughs> you mean Avatar? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Basically pretty the much. same film. Nice, uh, nice picks. Yeah, Land Before Time was one of my favorites. I really, I went to Pizza Hut to get the Land Before Time toys uh, that came with the pizza meal and for the pizza. That was a great uh, score too. I don't remember the score. It was, it was good. Yeah, yeah. when the mom, the mom sings like, uh, I forgot how it goes, but it was just like that song that she sings um, about the, um, is it when we hold, when we go on together or something like that? That song, it's just, it's, it's just like you just choke up a little bit oh also, also another speaking of choking up another honorable mention for a disney movie bolt and it's because i have a dog but oh we didn't and we didn't even talk about feast the short film that oh appeared before um big hero six right. and how awesome that was and oh, tying in big hero six the cat's name is mochi and my dog's name is moji which is taiwanese for mochi i know so i, I freaked out when that like was like this cat's name is mochi and i'm like what I think we might just have to put a picture of Maji in mm-hmm. the show notes because the three of us are big fans. Yes, we are oh, all Maji. fans of Maji. <laughs> <laughs> the cutest um, dog in the world. I was, a big, I was a big fan of the, the Baymax fist bump when he's like, la 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 la. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> Sorry, just had to throw that in there. That was so That's awesome. That's how I'm fist bump- bumping from now on. Yeah, seriously. Um, I That should have been this crossover sound effect. La 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 la. Um, I had up Iron Giant in in the cuz I just couldn't put him in the top 5 most only because we had talked about them and I wanted to throw in some new stuff. I also had Howl's Moving Castle, which wow. came out in like 2005 and uh Princess Mononoke. Um, just throwing, I, I know that's going into four, but I just felt like some of the, a lot of the animated films I like aren't necessarily done by just Pixar or Walt Disney. So, oh, yes. yeah, um, I've got three picks, um, uh, Fantasia, 
Um, I really, uh, anyone who listens to the show can pick up on, I really like instrumental music. And I think Fantasia did such a cool, interesting combination of visual and music. Mm-hmm. Um, really love that. Um, Persephilis, um, uh, fans of the show will remember from episode 10, Conrad, you and I were talking about mm-hmm. uh, diversity in comics and Persephilis was one of my graphic novel picks and it's also a cool animated film. Um, my last pick, it's a little wibbly wobbly, but please give it to me. Um, the Animatrix. Did did either of you watch The Animatrix? I did not. Watch I did that. not. Oh, okay. Check it out. So it's a series. Here's why it's wibbly wobbly. It's a series of short animated films, about like seven, I think, that are take place in the Matrix universe. Oh, I have seen this. Yeah. What did you do? You remember liking it or not? Liking uh, it? yeah, I do. I think I saw one. I don't. I don't think I saw all of them, but I yeah. saw. I saw at least a couple of them. It's worth renting because the one you both might have seen is the CG training dojo um, scene one. That was the one that became really popular. But they've got it's all different style of animators. Some are more anime. Some are more American style, and they tell all these stories about the world of the matrix um i really like that as a series of short films speaking of short films though what is your favorite pixar short film oh dinah i can't even begin to answer that question well just off the top of mind what is comes to mind for some of your favorites doesn't have to be your top one but just some of the ones that you just love so dearly can you watch all the time can i say all of them i don't think there's one i've seen that i didn't like honestly that's true. The um, you know, the, what's the one where there's two characters and they're walking, and one is like night and one is day. Day and night. Day That's and night. one of my favorites. I think that might be my favorite. Mm-hmm. The one at the end, they end up with that Al- uh, Albert Einstein quote about people being different. And yes. You just have to like understand and like as long as you accept the differences of everyone, that's how you can really move forward or something. Yes. Like the fear yeah. of the it's called I think it's called fear of the unknown. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? I think that would be my favorite. That would be your favorite. Conrad, do you have any? Um, I love that one. I, I don't know. I really love them all. I, and they're kind of this little gift that you get to see. Yeah. When you go into, when you go, it, like when you go to see a, a Pixar film. So I don't. The Birds one was really good. The Birds too. one was cool. I oh, still, that's great. I, you know, I really liked Bound In as well. That was yeah. kind of cute. Um, I don't know. Um the- Umbrella one I like a little less. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just because the song was just so repetitive towards mm. the end of it. Did well, either of you, speaking of shorts, uh, did you see the, the Paper Man animated short? Yes, I did. What is that? It's the one that came before, I think, it was a Monsters University? No. No, no, no. This was actually something that... Um, Disney released. Yeah, it was. I thought it was separate from any film, though. Um, I, I remember seeing it at the movie theaters. That's the thing. I, I might have maybe because I went to a premiere or something. They screened it or something. Oh, that's possible. Um, yeah, but it may have appeared before something. I just saw it because a friend of mine was like, "Oh, you need to watch this." So, anyway, if you haven't seen that one, I, that I think people should check it out. And what's it called, Conrad? Uh, Paperman. Paperman. Okay, let's check it out. So, um, Dinah, thank you so much for joining us on this no episode. Problem. We had um, a ton of fun talking animation with you. Yeah, for sure. I had a ton of fun being on this, too. 
So, I was really nervous too because I was like, I don't know how much I can contribute. Uh, yeah, I think you contributed <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, we we both we were we we knew you were going to steal the show. So yeah, oh, God. Um, we'll have to have you back on again. And uh, listeners, please let us know what you thought of Big Hero 6. Who you think are the better storytellers? Is it Pixar or is it Disney? And what are your favorite animated films? Um, Diana, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Um, I'm mostly on YouTube, youtube.com slash without license. I have a travel channel and I don't have a driver's license. That's the name of my channel. And speaking of animation, my newest video that I posted is an animated uh, video. And by animated, I mean, I drew it on Photoshop and I just, you know, cut it together. So (laughs) excuse the poor quality of it. Um, but yeah, and it's about how to ride the subway and, um, by angering people. Uh-huh. <laughs> interesting a little instructional on what to do if you don't want to do the things that would piss people off yeah if you want a one-way fare straight to hell so you if you go to youtube and type in without a license mm-hmm. there you are yeah awesome or, or even without license you'll be able to find me i think ah yeah. sounds good but, but um, more importantly is machi up there anywhere diana she is. If you watch the Wright's Farm video, she is right there. <laughs> just, just throwing that out because I know most people, i.e. me, would like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> More Maji, please. Um, Conrad, where can people find you on the internet this week? On uh, the internet this week, I'm on the other podcast, and this podcast is about undead type things, um, which is <laughs> reanimated. So it's reanimatedpodcast.com. On Twitter, we're reanimated PCAST. Um, and on Twitter, I alone am at DiePrince. And I am on Twitter as well, at Ali Matu. You can also find me on uh, BrainKnowsBetter.com, where probably I'll be writing something about the psychology of Brain Knows, uh, not Brain Knows Better, of uh, Big Hero 6. That's very meta. Yeah, it would be a little meta. <laughs> <laughs> you should just um, do that anyway, Ali. I the might. psychology of psychology blogs. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Man, no one would read that except for me and maybe my mom. Um, <laughs> so uh, we, the show is also on uh, Twitter. We are at Nerd Hour. You can visit us on um, the internet. Uh, nerdhour.com will get you there. And info at Super Fantastic Nerd Hour will get to our inboxes. Um, Diana, thank you so much. No problem. Yeah. And um, I think until next time, live long and prosper. Indeed. (laughs) 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 That's awesome. Indeed. (laughs) 